0: Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I am joined by Will Muirden. How's it going
1: today, Will? Really well, buddy. How you doing?
0: I'm really good. I'm uh, looking forward to our last of the conference previews. I haven't done anything kind of as cultural as you have, going and seeing the Book of Mormon recently.
1: Is that a cultural thing? I mean, I know it is a stage show and you feel cultural, but I don't know if you can really classify it.
0: Well, I mean, it's got music and dancing and racism. Well, look at
1: me go. I'm going to start wearing a monocle.
0: (laughs) Okay. So today we are having a look at the ACC and Conference USA. And congratulations to everyone. If you have listened to every episode, every college preview, we've made it. We are now you know, into college football season. It is right around the corner. We're talking under 20 days away from that first big kickoff. Between the Canes and the Gators, I think
1: we got to hold off because we're not quite there yet. So, I know, but I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely, I'm with you. But as soon as we've covered Clemson, that's pretty much the ACC done, and then we're there. No,
0: don't like that. Tough crowd, dude. Tough crowd. Ah, I like that one. <laughs> no, you're so happy with that. Before we jump into the uh, college, uh, sorry, the conference preview for the ACC and Conference USA again, will being the. Uh, ultimate knowledge on everything group of five he'll run us through conference usa no doubt at a rate of knots we'll try and get there a little bit earlier than we have done in previous weeks but we're just going to jump into the twilight zone will's really big on this so we'll let him have his moment in the sun
1: thanks buddy so thanks thanks for setting setting the scene there but uh i guess what i wanted to take us take our listeners to today is an experience that was afforded to me. Uh, I've stumbled upon this, and I have made my way recently into the Twilight Zone. Did
0: you need like a time machine for this or something? (laughs)
1: To be honest, I don't really watch it. I don't know. Is it time travel? I think it's dimensions. We're going dimensions here.
0: Okay. Right. So
1: o- alternate timelines, essentially. Okay. And what I have had access to is seeing these alternate timelines at the end of the current college football season. Current?
0: As in upcoming?
1: Yeah. We're in there now, Dad. Dude. We're... we're, we're, we're. <laughs> Dad? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't good. <laughs> we're off to a fly today. <laughs> I'm oh, I mean, almost through dad. my first beer. <laughs> so we are up and in the college football season, and I have had a. Literally? Or... <laughs> you are giggling like a schoolgirl over there.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you've just gone up and in and you call me daddy. Fucking <laughs>
1: hell. Okay, I'm cutting this. So I won't have it.
0: <laughs> this, this needs to stay in.
1: <laughs> I've seen alternate realities of how this season plays out right and 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 i've seen this and i need you to fill in some of the blanks because while i was there i was having a good time i wasn't paying too much attention so i'm going to let you know what i've seen but i need you to fill in for our listeners out there how this has come to be okay it's not just one that i've gone through there's there's a few of these little portals that i've entered and and come out in (laughs) so let's get into it first one the, the first thing that I saw was playoff time. Yep. Neither Alabama nor Clemson were in the college football playoffs. How has this come to be?
0: Okay, you're going to have to give me a little bit of a second to formulate exactly what's going on here, but <clears throat> let's have a bit of a go. I think the let's start with the obvious and easy one, and I'll start with Clemson. Okay, so Clemson misses the college football playoff because... They open the season with Georgia Tech. Now, obviously, Jeff Collins, the new coach, Paul Johnson's out. Jeff Collins comes in and he's establishing the transition to the conventional offense. Or at least that's what everyone thinks. No, no, no. He is running. He's pulled a Swifty on Dabo Swinney and the uh, Clemson Tigers. And he is running a flex bone combination spread offense. Back to what they know. Exactly. Uh, Pauls are swifty, and they run this kind of hybridy offense that takes college football by storm. Uh, they lose Tre- uh, the Tigers lose Trevor Lawrence for the year as well on a season-ending injury. So you know, Georgia Tech just marched their way to the first win of the season. Now, obviously, a loss to Georgia Tech isn't enough to end a season for Clemson. They then the following week get a And M in town, Texas a And M. Kellen Mond, the starting quarterback for Texas A&M, sets the single game rushing record at 460 yards uh, and just runs all over that hapless Tigers new defensive line and they get blown out by the Aggies and there's their two losses to open the season. They don't make it. They run the table the rest of the way but they cannot do enough to make the college football playoff.
1: This dimension is crazy. You're just So the Texas A&M quarterback ran for 500 yards in week two. No, nah, 460. Jesus. Okay. That happened. Wow. So uh, Clemson uh, are done. So Alabama, on the other hand, uh,
0: they get caught up in an NCAA football scandal. Ooh. So Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland, former Alabama offensive coordinator, has decided that he actually doesn't like Maryland very much. He's not having any success there. It's all too hard. And he wants to jump back on board uh, with the Tide. Saban tells him, no, that can't happen. Loxley opens up about recruiting violations where they're, all these allegations made from cars to boats to houses to holidays, all the usual things that Yahoo write about. None of these is proven uh, except... A video appears of a former Alabama coach buying a Twinkie for Quinn and Williams. This Twinkie sits at the heart of all these accusations and this little sponge-filled dessert ends up sinking the tide. They forfeit their season. They forfeit their right to go to a bowl game to avoid the heavy hand of the NCAA.
1: So they get done in by a Twinkie. They get done in by a Twinkie. Okay. So Alabama
0: to a Twinkie,
1: Clemson to a strange offense. There you go. Uh, that universe is crazy. I don't know if I'd see that playing out, but that's, that's something. All right, let's go. Back, back to reality. Jump through my other portal here. Okay. Into a new one. Different season. mm mm-hmm. uh, It has come to be. I have seen the Ray Guy Award presentation. For the okay. first time ever, we had a three-way tie for the Ray Guy Award. Which, for those of you out there who don't know, awarded to the best punter in all of college football. Something that Australians have owned of recent years. They have, yes. Three-way tie. First time ever. Can you tell me who the three studs are that have walked away with the uh, trophy?
0: Okay. So, obviously they're all Australian. Obviously. So let's go straight to the top. The guy who's lost... Uh, His running back from last year, probably. And that is the Duffman. Max Duffy at Kentucky. Uh, They lost Benny Snell to the draft. He's gone. Their punting game is going to be relied on heavily. And simply for sheer volume. The Duffman has 95 punts on the season. Averages...
1: 95 punts. 95 That is a lot of punts. That
0: is a lot of punting. He averages 59 yards per attempt. Wow. Uh, And... He, he gets there on sheer volume alone.
1: I like that. I want to see what the other guys have done to be able to match that now.
0: Right. Okay, so the next one, Cody Grace, Arkansas State. That dude is jacked. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. So, it is not just his punting that gets it. He has uh, a, a reasonable and certainly not anything too spectacular, but 64 punts on the season. But it is his... 59 tackles on those punt teams, that gets noticed by the voters, and he ends up getting a bit of traction as a punter slash tackler, and gets in the game for being a two-way player.
1: Two-way player, punter and <laughs> defender. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I like exactly. that. Exactly. The Incredible Hulk, <laughs> yeah. staunching his way down the field.
0: Exactly. And the last one is Louis Headley at Miami, and he gains traction in the media as a cult hero. So, for two reasons. Firstly, he pulls two children from a burning house, which has no bearing on the punting game, but it allows him to get some notoriety in the media. Exactly right, plays him in the (laughs) storyline. He is covered in tattoos. He looks literally like, you know, LA Inc. vomited on him. uh, And this helps build the
1: kind of aura around the punter himself. So at the moment we've got nothing, nothing's happened on the field. He's just got a big profile. He does have a big profile, but that helps. Okay. Okay.
0: Perception is key in these kind of things. So he goes on and has a, has a reasonable season. uh, But certainly it's his off field and whole demeanor. He's got like awkward interviewing, very similar to like Marshawn Lynch back in the day. One word answers and this allows him to garner national attention he punts pretty well but it's kind of made out to be better than what it is Uh, and then of course he saves those two children and and as a result a three way tie for the Ray Guy
1: there you go who would have thought it (laughs) certainly not I (laughs) that's a good one All right, there you go so there's three Aussie boys who are destined to win the Ray Guy just perhaps not in this universe (laughs) or ever (laughs) I mean, no, but th- those boys are all a shot. So yeah, they are, absolutely. In their own right. Let's let's not take away from that. All right, last one. Let's go. Jumping in me last portal here. I have stepped into a universe. Heisman Trophy celebration. A defensive player has finally won the award again. It's been a long time coming. Who is it and how has he done it?
0: Okay. Defensive Heisman player. Uh, now, I... Uh, you immediately jump to, who's it going to be? Kaliki Hudson, your boy. Yeah, I like your him. Your boy. At, I like him. At uh, at Michigan. And Michigan may get a little mention in this little story I'm about to tell.
1: I'm going to throw some money on him to win it this year, actually.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I'm shocked. We was about to lose some money. Don't bet on that.
1: <laughs> nah, that's there's got to be odds there.
0: No, we're taking uh, a bit of a different tact here. And the player that wins it is a former offensive guy. Jonathan Taylor... <laughs> Decides that he is not interested in playing running back anymore. He's sick of receiving the punishment. So he wants to dish some out. So he's like, you know what, coach? I've had enough. I want to go play some linebacker. So he goes and plays linebacker. And obviously, he's a freak of an athlete. He goes and does whatever he wants to do. He puts up a stat line of 128 tackles 37 tackles for a loss. He has 15 sacks. He has three forced fumbles. He has seven fumble recoveries because he's a weapon. He has six inter- interceptions and five touchdowns also, including, picture this, Wisconsin gets to the Big Ten Championship game, Michigan driving. The score is 3 nothing to the Badgers. Apparently, no one can score in this game. Shea Patterson, he's got it in the red zone. It's third and six, or third and goal from the six. They've got an opportunity with just a few seconds remaining. He throws a, a ball to Nico Collins, a jump ball. For some reason, they put Jonathan Taylor out there, the linebacker extraordinary. He picks it off, takes it 99 yards the other way for a touchdown to win the Big Ten championship game for Wisconsin against the Wolverines and that is enough to get him the Heisman trophy for season 2019 you heard it here first
1: I am I'm just super disappointed that I threw over to you to give a defensive player the Heisman and you've made it an O guy who's gone (laughs) over and played D I mean come on Throw the defenders a bone here. Give them something. Even in... Dude, this is my universe. Alternate universes, they can't take out the award. Exactly. Unbelievable. He's a defensive guy now.
0: That's it. I've You'll read nothing. it. I've Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Taylor, linebacker,
1: Wisconsin. Not putting my money there. I'll give you that tip. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going back to my universe because that's just crazy. Okay. Well... How about that I flick you a
0: quick uh, dimension-orientated uh, alternative reality question? You want to go
1: with my portal gun? Yeah,
0: why not extend this segment, which is flaming out hard <laughs> yeah. here. I think it's been all right. <laughs> all right. Hit. Uh, swallow this little fact for me. I head off into the future. Uh, obviously, Clemson and Alabama do not make the college football playoff, but a group of five team does... Who is it and how did they get there?
1: Okay. I like that you put this as the future too. Like we're not talking ultimate dimension, alternate dimensions here. This is just straight hours in the future because this is going to happen. Well, it's kind of like it, it's like back to the future where you do create alternative pathways, but it is still
0: in the future in an alternative reality. No, so I'm, telling you,
1: I'm telling you now, this team is good for it and I'm on them this year. I'm, I'm making my call. I'm throwing my flag down. This is my team for 2019. Go UTEP Miners. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> the Bearcats. Okay. They are building. And they're building on what they did last year. So last year, 11-2. Really good unit. Luke Fickle came across, uh, was the head man at Ohio State, kind of flamed out a bit there. But uh, he turned them from a 4-8 and eight unit to an 11-2 and two unit. And they're going the next step this year. They're going undefeated. Somehow there's a bit of chaos up the top. They make their way into the playoff all the way through into the national championship game. And I mean, it's not the craziest thing in the world. They they are legit one of the better group of five teams. Stop trying to make this realistic, dude. Like Jonathan Taylor is going to win the Heisman as a linebacker. Yeah, see, that's ridiculous. This, this literally could happen. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Desmond Ritter would need to go off, but he showed a lot last year at quarterback. They've got not... Just their leading returner, uh, sorry, Russia from last year back, but the year before, who'd missed all year with injury, also returns. So they've got two studs at running back. They've got a bit to replace on the D-line and wide receiver, but that's easy done. Those positions dime a dozen. Don't worry about them. Mm -hmm. I think they have all of the ingredients to get the job done and not in an alternate universe, in ours, I'm backing them in to have a deep run this year. Okay. There you go, you heard it here first. This is that's bordering on bold prediction, dude. We are, we are, and we're almost ready for those in our uh, season launch episode. I think we're going to cover off we'll on, get those. on a few of them. Before we do that though, of course we need to hit the
0: ACC, so we'll get into that conference and disregard pretty much anything you've heard in the initial part of this episode cuz it is not fact. What we will bring you is the facts of the ACC and that is in terms of a conference, the ACC is a bit of an interesting one. It probably doesn't generate the same hype, passion, fanfare that the other conferences do. It's a massive basketball conference. It just happens to fall geographically where some traditional powers sit. So Florida State, Miami, obviously historically have been very good. Virginia Tech, Clemson in recent times, obviously taking over the world in terms of their prominence nationally. So there's some really, really good team, some good, obviously very strong recruiting base through Georgia, Florida, uh, the Carolinas as well, stretching all the way up into Massachusetts with BC. But what does the ACC actually stand for? And to me, it feels like a bit of a misfit conference. I, we didn't spend a lot of time in ACC country necessarily. I mean, we visited Georgia Tech, we went to Florida State. And there's all these, it's a hybrid between big cities, it's a hybrid between small college towns, some of those college towns feel more SEC than they do ACC, but where does it sort of sit to you, how do you feel about the ACC?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you there, it doesn't have that same passion that the SEC or Big 12, even Big 10 bring to it, it, it seems more Big like, large cities, basketball schools, it's, it's not that football thing. Like, there are some really strong schools in there, as you mentioned, with, with really good history. So, Miami, Florida State especially. But lately, it's been so hard to get around it because it's so dominated by Clemson like the last 3 or so years they have just absolutely wiped the competition they've had some some good matchups in conference don't get me wrong but that happens anywhere it's just that clemson have been by far the best team and there doesn't really seem to be a decent second team on the national scale Like they're not bad teams. Don't get me wrong. Like they all stack up all right, but there's not another contender within them. And it's been a little bit similar in the Big Twelve too. Like Oklahoma has been the team, and there hasn't really been a second. But I feel like Clemson and the ACC is even worse than that. And it kind of takes away from the conference because you're like, you know, what does it matter? Clemson are going to win. They're going to be the team that goes to the championship.
0: Yeah, um, I, I don't disagree. I, I think they're potentially building, though. I think there's some good stuff happening around the conference elsewhere, probably from some not so traditional places, potentially. Uh, and we are, I mean, the ACC is really relying on the resurgence of Miami and Florida State and hopefully Virginia Tech to to get them through that. But why don't we start with Clemson? I mean, we'll start in the Atlantic. Clemson are just really, 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 really good. I could name all these players Travis Etienne, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, T. Higgins on the offensive side. Um, and, you know, they lose all those NFL guys on the defensive line, but they got Xavier Thomas coming back as a future superstar. I'm big on him. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is a freak on the back end. What is it going to take for Clemson to not make it?
1: Well, I mean, there is a lot of turnover on that defensive side. So offensively, they're going to be elite. They'll be up there with the best units in the nation. Trevor Lawrence is probably the best player of football at the college level. And, you know... I mean, if he's leaving this year, he's going number one. Absolutely. The the dude is a phenom. So that side I have no concerns about. Defensively, though there's a lot of turnover they're only bringing back four starters so there's a lot of experience that's gone out the door a lot of talent that went you know essentially all of those guys probably went to the nfl uh that's a lot to turn over and there's been a bit made of the fact that they don't recruit as well as some of the other big schools from a star rating side of things so they're not a constant top five school they do all right don't get me wrong but they're not always bringing in these four and five star schools. They're going more after the right guy, yeah. which is a good way of going about it. Like I'm not knocking on that, but it's also up for a bit of, uh, there's a bit more interpretation there as to whether that person's lack of athletic ability. Cause that's essentially a lot of what the star ratings all about allows them to do what they need to do. I mean, they, they could get coached up really well, but maybe it's not there. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I they get them in the right places. And you say, yeah, maybe they don't get the five-star guys, but they get a truckload of four-star dudes. And I'm not a big star whore guy. Like, I don't necessarily believe in those rankings fully. I know there's a lot of research out there that shows that, you know, to there's a threshold to, to win a national championship. You've got to have X amount of four-star and five-star guys. And, and they certainly, do, they still hit They're those doing numbers. they do enough for that, for they, sure. They still hit those numbers. They're not going short of quality, talented guys. And they create such a good atmosphere and such a family attitude and, and environment for their kids to come into. that people just fall in love with the place. And, and that's where there's that real clash and difference between uh, them and Alabama which is really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on from Clemson, though. There's plenty said about that, and I think they're obviously the, the hot favorites in the ACC. What about Syracuse? The Qs. I mean, Dino
0: Babers has done a fantastic job. He runs that high-octane offense that they want to get to 80 to 90 plays a game, and that's where they feel like they can make their money. But... Uh, But, I mean, they've had a lot of turnover this year. I think they actually take a step back. They lose Eric Dungy at quarterback. Uh, They've got a little bit to replace on the offensive line and at running back, they could have a few issues. They've got two fantastic uh, defensive ends. I think defensively, they'll be be pretty good. But it's can that offense get going to do enough uh, as the rest of the Atlantic probably join them uh, they were they were fantastic last year, really really good. They pushed Clemson, but can they manage to hold on as we expect Florida State to improve, uh, as we expect you know Louisville to not be great, but they'll be better than they were last year, and and, and can they hold on as those teams improve?
1: Yeah, oh well, I mean they've got Tommy DeVito at quarterback, who's got really high raps about him, so it's going to be interesting to see how he steps into that high octane offense, and they're always a tough out at the Carrier Dome. I don't know what it is there, but... It's like you're a
0: Twilight Zone,
1: dude. Yeah, they they don't lose there. So, if you're looking uh, to put some money down, back Syracuse at the Carrier Dome all day. Easy money. Ooh,
0: careful there. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think they probably win seven games, probably, something like there. I don't think they're going to do anything hectic. They'll probably win a bit of a, a toss-up one somewhere along the lines, but... Yeah, I, I think Syracuse actually take a step back this year. Okay.
1: I mean, they went 10 wins last year. I'm predicting a little bit better than that. I'm thinking more 8 or 9 wins, but still... Better than 10 wins. Last year they went 10. Uh, better than what you are oh, uh, predicting. Sorry. sorry. sorry, That wasn't awfully clear on my part. Yeah. But, yeah, that's I, I think they're still going to be a solid team, and that's more because I don't see huge improvement from the likes of our next school will cover Florida State.
0: Oh, okay. So not a big fan of Florida State. Why No, that- I,
1: I still don't... I haven't seen enough or heard enough or read enough to make me believe that they've turned the corner. I mean, there, there is kind of an intrinsic thought that it's Florida State, they're going to be good, they've got the dudes, but it's been a few years now and I haven't seen it. I don't have a huge amount of faith in Willie Taggart as a coach. I don't think he's the man to get the job there uh they've got but he's a florida guy he can recruit the area yeah yeah okay i mean and that's what's said about him you're right but until i can see something on the field i think they're gonna be six and six this year and, and that's probably around the mark that they are and i don't i'm not buying into florida state just for the brand
0: and, yeah. And yeah. that's
1: essentially and, what you would be doing. And, and that is always a danger.
0: Like, I mean, you see it in the NFL all the time. They've got that star name next to them, but there comes a point where they actually go off a cliff a little, or not necessarily off a cliff, but they certainly decline and come back to the pack in Florida State are not that good. They had a really bad season last year. The thing that concerns me about Florida State, obviously, I keep a very close on. Cam Akers is a fantastic running back. They're still recruiting at a really high level. And the big one for me is they bring Kendall Bryles across from Houston. Now, he's a guy that I would have loved to see Miami get after. Our offensive coordinator, he runs a high tempo. He runs that air raid offense the same way that his dad did at, at um, Baylor. Got there eventually. Uh, and, you know, they do... I hope it's
1: not exactly the same way he ran the Oh, I knew shot. you were
0: going to get after that. Okay. But, but I agree with you on the Willie Taggart thing. I don't think he's the answer. They don't have a quarterback answer. They've got James Blackman there. It is. It looks gimmicky. I know they say these wide-open offenses and spread offenses and up-tempo are gimmicky at times to kind of close that talent gap. And there's always been that discussion, well, what if a, a team with talent runs this high octane offense what if a leech from washington state goes into a a quality team with quality athletes what is that then going to look like it'll be amazing but watching it last year it looked disorganized it 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 looked it looked a shambles for for the seminoles and i hope that stays the case i just honestly hope that willie Taggart stays there because i think as long as he's there the seminars will not be that fantastic
1: we are keeping nice and impartial in the booth today we are we are kind of like you talking about oklahoma but yeah so just as a little insight to our listeners at home here uh my boy kempy's computer has died on him in the booth i can see it. it's just shut down but we're on the acc so this is all everything normally we've got our notes up in front of us and we can refer to that he's just spouting all of this off the top of his head impressive yeah, until I fall in a hole. Here. Yeah, I'm now I'm setting you up. That, yeah.
0: NC State, NC State. Well, the Wolfpack had a really good season last year. Uh, Ryan Finley was the quarterback, he's now gone. Uh, they, uh, who's the Gillespie, the running back, was fantastic, and he did a really, really good job. Again, I see them coming back to the pack a fraction. I don't think defensively they're going to get as much as what they did, and probably the easy draw on the downside of or the the down nature of the ACC Atlantic meant that that they could step up and 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 fill that void like Syracuse did and i think both of those teams just come back to the pack a fraction and always starting a new quarterback is always tough always always it doesn't matter unless you get that really top end guy it's not it's never easy to make that transition to a new quarterback
1: yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. There's a lot of change at NC State. So replacing quarterback, replacing offensive coordinator, replacing three starting offensive linemen, that's, that's a tough gig. So I see them sliding back a bit. They're, they're still uh, a well-run unit and they're going to be in a lot of games. I think they're a, a good football team, but this year is going to be a, a down year for the Wolfpack.
0: Uh, And it's interesting you mentioned offensive line, and I think that is going to be the Achilles heel for just about every ACC Atlantic team. Even Clemson uh, replacing Mitch Hyatt, who was, you know, all ACC tackle and went really, really high. You know, there's... There's a lot of teams out there that are going to struggle on the offensive line. That you know, Florida State struggled on the offensive line. Louisville are going to do the same thing. And
1: and there's that big issue again with O-linemen. That's a perfect segue into this next team that I think are perfectly situated to probably take it up to Clemson and be the second in the Atlantic. Boston College. No. Yes. No. Absolutely. They've got one of the best running backs in college football, A.J. Dillon. Yep. Dude is a ball of muscle, just a little bowling ball down the field. I don't
0: know how he ended up there, to be quite honest, because he was ra- he was rec- he was ranked quite highly, I believe. Uh, definitely a big power back, and maybe some... he
1: cares about academics. Who knows? He, yeah,
0: I mean, BC is that way inclined, of course. Anthony Brown, the quarterback, got off to a flying start last season, but then
1: fizzled down the a stretch. little bit. But I think he's going to be better, uh, better for the experience. And the two of them there, uh, I think Steve Adazio's team are going to be the one. Ones. I've I've kind of said everyone's taken a step back so far in the uh, ACC. Boston College are the ones that are, are taking all those wins from the other teams. Interesting.
0: I don't know if I see. I think they lose they lose too many numbers along that defensive line, and they almost become a bit of a like BC do a little bit every year is that no name defense, and they try and generate a lot of a lot of pressure and and numbers from from guys we just don't hear of, and all of a sudden there's some. BC guys getting drafted in the second or, you know, first, second or third round that play some defensive line. But I think they've got a lot of guys to replace up front. And I don't don't know, I don't see it from BC this year. They've got some issue, a couple of issues on the offensive line, particularly at tackle, that I would like to see them solidify. There's just a couple of question marks there that I reckon, you know, that could be their undoing, could be their sticking point.
1: Do you know what's an underrated attribute on the offensive line?
0: Uh,. Fast feet. Intelligence. That's not underrated at all, ever. You look at all the good offensive linemen. They're like rocket scientists and engineers. Exactly
1: right. And that's because they all went to really good schools like Boston College and Stanford and the like of that. Yeah. So what I think is, even though they have a bit of turnover, I'm expecting their offensive line to be stout. And the fact that they have a good quarterback and an excellent running back has them in a good spot.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I always find a little bit of reshuffling on the offensive line is never easy, and it's one of those... The offensive line is probably more so than any, a team within a team, and when those guys are meshing well and have played together and know how each other work and communicate well, they're highly effective. But rarely does that happen from the start of the season, and that's where you can jump a couple of teams, and maybe there's some issues there from with BC.
1: But that would be me. They've all been studying some crazy astrophysics together or some bullshit. Of course, of course. They're tight. All right, last one in the Atlantic, Louisville. Wow. New head coach? Uh, Well,
0: yeah, new head head coach.
1: Scott Satterfield over from Appalachian State. Correct,
0: and they don't have Brian Van Gorder running defense again, which is going to be necessary because their defense was terrible. I think they were giving up 44 points a game last year. Historically bad. Yeah, they were shocking. So... I mean, it can't be worse. And again, that's where Louisville become a bit of a a harder out. Juwan Pass returns at the quarterback position. Uh, He's a big dude with a big arm, but he's going to need a little bit of help on the outside. And whilst I see a better season for the Cardinals, if they can go bowling, I think that is a massive, massive victory for them.
1: Yeah, I don't see that. Uh, Two and 10 last year. I think they improve on that mark, but it's only by one or two wins. I've got them around three or four in my mind.
0: Yeah. And sorry Cardinal fans. I mean since Lamar Jackson it's been it's been tough work following you guys. I mean you're a team that beat Florida State when they were up and all in fact you smashed Florida State when they were were good and now you are battling away but Swings and roundabouts. That's yeah. Why I'm I mean, football.
1: the Sutterfield hire is a good one. He he did really good work at Appalachian State, so yeah. I can see that kind of changing. But Rome wasn't built in a day.
0: It wasn't, and the Atlantic appears a bit like a hot mess at the moment. Outside of Clemson, and potentially you could say the same about the entire ACC. But outside of Clemson, you know, I think Syracuse come back. Uh, BC, kind of, they're the perennial six-win team. They're going up. They're they're going up. They're looking at, like, ten wins. (laughs) Jesus, they're not. NC State will be middle of the pack. I think the only double-digit win team is Clemson. I think they run the table, uh, and hopefully, you know, they can do a a pretty good job. I
1: think I've uncovered my two teams for this year that, you know, I don't support, but I'm on board. Like, Cincinnati group of five and BC BC. from the Power Five. I like it. I like it. There you go. All right, let's get over to the Coastal.
0: Okay, well, let's start with the winners of the Coastal and let's go with Pitt somehow last year won.
1: Yeah, that would have been a good uh, quiz question. Yeah. SAT. Yeah, it would have, but I probably should have
0: got that. So, Darren Hall, Olison, leave. Both of those guys were 1,000-yard rushes last year. Uh, Kenny Pickett returns. Uh, They've got Mark Whipple across as the offensive coordinator now. But can Pitt actually do anything this year? I would be really, really surprised if they could. And I think the classic game for them was that last round of the year against Miami when they struggled to cross the line of scrimmage like at all. And that's going to be what happens this year. I mean, they'll get more out of the passing game because they literally have to. But it's going to be tough sledding for the Panthers. Yeah, they've
1: only got 10 starters returning there. So a lot of inexperience across the team. Uh, I expect that to be their Achilles heel early on, and that's going to put them behind the eight ball. I think they'll still be all right. They'll be a competitive unit in a lot, but that's just the nature of uh, the ACC, and there's a lot of teams who are...
0: Spectacularly mediocre.
1: Exactly right. So I don't think that they reach the dizzying heights that they did last year of winning their division, but they're not going to be awful.
0: Okay, where do you want to go next? Probably the next team that... Was competitive last year, I suppose. Maybe we talk about Virginia. Virginia. Uh, now Bryce Perkins is the quarterback there, but they lose eliminate um, Zacchaeus, who is you know he had ninety three catches last year, I believe, uh, and they lose their number one running back as well. So that makes Bryce Perkins literally the only thing on offense for them. He's going to have to be the leading rusher because he's more of a runner than a passer. And I don't think that spells good news for
1: Virginia. I've got a crazy stat for you. Here we go. If Virginia can somehow claim the Coastal this year, which is in well within the realms of possibility. It is, it is. That would mean that we've had seven different teams over the last seven years to have won the division. Now that's all of them for those playing at home. That is, that is crazy. That is everyone. Yeah. That's parody that you just don't see at the college football level. No, you
0: don't. It's also ineptitude probably on lots of levels as well. Uh, There's been no one that really wants to take control and and the Coastal does have its issues Uh, and a lot of people believe it is the weakest division in college football. Um, But it's, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's the case and I think this is another year where, again, the ACC steps up a fraction and makes themselves a little bit more relevant on the national scale.
1: Okay, moving from Virginia, let's go Virginia Tech.
0: Sorry, just I know you want to jump across and I hate to I think it's an interesting comparison here because you've got two coaches that came in the same year. So Virginia got Bronco Mendenhall over from BYU. Yep. Virginia Tech got Justin Fuente. And I think when those two hires happened, everyone just about would have said Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech is a good match and that Virginia Tech will excel from this point on. I think that at thus far, Virginia have clearly been the more successful team. Bronco Mendenhall has done a fantastic job with that team and, and they've been just about irrelevant uh, for a lot of years. They do need to go and beat Virginia Tech because they've lost the Commonwealth Cup so much. Justin Fuente, on the other hand, at Virginia Tech, they have been off the mark. He has made them progressively worse by one game. Every year he's been under the control of the Hokies. And they had a really, really tough season last year.
1: Okay, that's great little slide into mine saying that Virginia Tech are going to... They're my pick to win the uh, Coastal this year. On what grounds? Because I just don't see it. Uh, they've got Ryan Willis returning. At quarterback, yeah, yeah. He was a young guy last year. I think he uh, experienced there and they have a really, really good receiving core. I, I think the guys that they have coming back have talent. They've shown a lot. One of the better outside of Clemson in the ACC. So I am backing that offensive change. And, I mean, Bud Foster is a hell of a defensive coordinator. Has been for a number of years. Last year, they were not good on defense. I did not expect to see that two years in a row. I think he's going to turn things around. And Virginia Tech are my pick. Interesting. I think Bud Foster's
0: an interesting one because he's actually announced his retirement. Now, he is going to play out the season, but is he going to care as much? I know Bud Foster single-handedly has ruined a lot of Miami's seasons with some fantastic defense, and he's held in such high esteem by everyone in the ACC, and nationally as well. He's been a fantastic defensive coordinator. I don't think anyone questions that, but they were in the toilet last year. They were terrible, and... Will they back that up? Will he have the care factor? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to such a poor season defensively.
1: Well, there we go. Okay. Uh, let's move along to your boys now.
0: The Canes. Miami. C-A-N-E-S. The U. Uh, well, let's hear your two cents worth first because I'll be intrigued to, to hear why Virginia Tech, who were pretty average last year, are going to be the team to win and maybe the Canes aren't.
1: I mean, Miami are a team that I should like, purely based on the fact that they they get decent recruits in, like, they get good athletic types, they're thugs, like, they, they don't mind showing aggression and being out there, like, I'm all about that, that's cool, but... You hate them. Yeah, I don't like them. And I don't know if it's just because you do, and, you know, I have to be against that, or if It's because they are always underachieving. I'm not sure. But for mine, it's similar to the FSU of late. I feel like Miami have been doing it for longer. That they have this talent. They get this hype. Every year you hear the same story. This is the year. The U's back. We're hearing it. And it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense, I suppose. And that's certainly warranted and certainly fair. Uh, They They have had the hype in recent years and then do flame out late in the season and a lot of their wins get overblown and overrated. But I think this year, I don't think they're going to be fantastic by any means, but I believe the coaster is so weak that there's no way that they... Oh, there is a way, but I don't see them losing. I think they go to the championship game.
1: Have you you sorted the quarterback question?
0: No. I mean, that is a, a question that is yet to be answered. So Tate Martell came down from a high state. They've got Nkosi Perry, who was sort of the starter last year. He got flicked in and out with Malik Rozier and, and Mark Ricks couldn't make that decision. Uh, and the other one is Jaron Williams, who continually come the noise out of camp is that he's the most accurate of all the quarterbacks and probably the most technically sound. But one of those guys is going to transfer. One of those guys who's third on the depth chart is is going to move on and you know that's the way they'll go. I, th- I think Dan Enos coming in from Alabama as the offensive coordinator is a massive, massive get for the Canes. They feature a multiple formation offense that should make the most of a really, really good tight end group with Brevin Jordan and Will Mallory. They've got Cam Harris in the backfield, Lorenzo Lingard. The offensive line has got a lot of work and they need some help. We've lost a little bit up front on defense in Jared Willis uh, and and Joe Jackson's no longer there but we've got Greg Rousseau and uh, Jonathan Garvin coming back. The defensive secondary will be another question mark as well but we've got three linebackers that have been there for at least 10,000 years each. Uh, Three seniors that have played all games since they joined as freshmen. So The Manny Diaz defense will continue to roll. Just because he's the head coach, it doesn't mean they're going to be any worse. There's going to be some bumps because it's a first year new program and he's bringing a certain attitude and a certain culture that he needs to develop and that culture takes time. But I think the Canes are still the best team in the coastal. Okay. I've got the most talent. I don't, I don't think that they should lose to too many this well,
1: year. Well, there are three things you can always count on.
0: And this is gonna be brilliant. I can see it already. I can see you winding yourself up for this.
1: No, this is this is a positive one for you. Is death taxes and Miami having a stud tight end. I mean yeah, you, you have to respect <laughs> that. They they always are producing NFL caliber tight ends. It's they are tight end you. Yep. So that's good to hear that they have that. Who do you hope wins the quarterback competition? Who are you gunning for? I
0: want. So I don't honestly care, and that is such a cliche, crappy answer from a fan. I want someone that can actually move the chains on third. Time. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love it to be uh, Tate, Tate Martell. Well, everyone sort of wants Tate Martell because he's got that hype. He's got that swag. He's got that kind of. He's got himself a South Florida like model girlfriend. And yeah, he's, he's got a that dick actually- too. he <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> watched that like- QB
1: one on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, Man,
0: and cute. he's he's got a bit of like, not Baker Mayfield chip on his shoulder. It's a bit different because he's probably a bit more highly recruited, and a bit more well known than that. So it's a bit of different. But he's still got that kind of that Me attitude. And that, yeah, it is. It is. But I, if he can, he's more mobile. He's the mo- most mobile of the three, which is fantastic. And if he's going to go and throw for 70% completion rate, which is obviously really, really high, but that's sort of Dan Enos' offense a little bit. But if he can do that, keep the turnovers down, and we can actually get some first downs, fantastic. Because the Miami D offense of old was 3-and-out, 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 3-and-8, 75-yard touchdown pass, 3-and-out, 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 45-yard touchdown run. And it was just tedious and hard work to watch. I want an offense that can actually move the chains, give our defense a rest... And actually score some freaking points for once. And I look at the Alabama offense, which Dan Enos had his fingers all over last year, even though he wasn't calling the plays. And I'm really excited about what he can produce and what he can do. So,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm excited e- for you, buddy. I'm
0: excited about the Canes, I, and it's a new year. Like I don't have to watch Mark Rick run his six plays, four verts, and you know, shitty inside run thirty times a game. Just so. another
1: opportunity for you to get. Your hopes and dreams smash.
0: Yeah, oh, obviously, but if we can see progression, and I think even a even a like a mediocre season for the Canes probably means they win nine games because they just they are that much more talented compared to the other teams in the conference.
1: Yeah, okay. Let, enough on your boys. Yeah, let, okay, let's, let's move, move on. on. Yeah, let's let uh, let's talk basketball. Let's look at Duke and UNC. Okay.
0: So Larry Fedora leaves UNC. And we're talking about Mac. The Mac is back. Mac he Brown, is Mac Brown. Uh, and, you know, I don't don't know about UNC. They bring in a really, really good young freshman quarterback, Sam Howe, I think is his name. That is correct. Uh, and, And he appears to be the part, which is fantastic for them. But, gee, they were a mess up front last year, particularly in run defense. They were just getting gashed all over the place, and... It's going to be a rebuild. It's going to be a long way back for the Tar Heels. I don't really see
1: it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I've got them struggling this year. Uh, a lot of turnover, new head coach. it be interesting to see how Mac Brown goes. That, that's going to get a lot of airtime. that storyline, I feel, oh. because he's such a well-known... I'm former coach there
0: himself. Exactly right.
1: Well-known. Like He is up for a tough gig, and he's... Old. He is old. We, we have mentioned this before, so it's going to be interesting to see how he can do that. I hope he's able to build the program up and, and to see a bit of success there, but I just don't see it happening this year. Uh, Duke, on the other side, a lot of turnover as well, so they're not in a great spot. They obviously lost Daniel Jones. Do you mean... Six overall pick, Daniel Jones, that to the a... New York Football Giants. I mean, if he's gone six, he was obviously a superstar for them last year he... and came runner up in the Heisman. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's big. He he threw the football sometimes. He looks good throwing the ball in shorts. I'll give him that. Like if you just have him throwing the football, nothing else. Fucking a one. So that's how footballs played, right? Kinda, I don't know. You start kinda. to feel bad for a guy who gets smashed so much, even by the fan base that recruited him.
0: Media, the media are hammering him.
1: Absolutely. So I, I kind of am more Team Daniel Jones now than I certainly was at the time of the pick because you don't like to see anyone get smashed like that. But Duke, having lost him, he, he was all right. He was he was. Oh yeah, he was. He was still a reasonable ACC quarterback. Exactly right. right. So they're going to have to replace that. They are going to have to replace uh, a number of receivers. They have a really tough schedule this year. Oh, they start with Alabama. I think that's not that's not where you want to be at. No, especially blooding a f- probably true freshman quarterback. Yeah, and like blooding is the right term there <laughs> against Alabama.
0: But more importantly, that can do some psychological damage, which can be felt. Uh, yeah, remember that in.
1: that opener that Florida State played against them? That like has ruined them since then. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's what started it. So you're right, that could happen and they could be uh, up for a tough year. I
0: mean, David Cutcliffe keeps getting talked about as a fantastic coach and what he's done for that Duke program is fantastic and he's a bit of a quarterback whisperer, but he has got his work cut out for him this year. The Blue Devils did some good stuff last year, but it was really feast or famine. Like, they really, in some games, just could not score, could not move the ball, could not score. Uh, And then in other games, they were able to do that better on the outside with TJ Rahming and and some good wide receivers. But, yeah, uh, tough sledding again for Duke. I think it's another one of those middle-of-the-pack teams.
1: And you know it's an academic school, so the O-line's going to be good. (laughs) Georgia Tech. <laughs>
0: Good. Rounding it out. Oh, this is going to be this these are the Arizona Cardinals of college football this year. And by that I mean they're going to be an interesting watch. It could and probably will uh be an absolute dumpster fire at times. Over under
1: one win. No, they won't be that bad. I haven't seen their schedule. I you don't think they'll be that bad?
0: No, I don't i mean they open the season with clemson so that's probably not I, I
1: haven't seen the schedule i'm just saying like unless they've got some easy out of conference i i think they're going to be the worst team in the ACC. well they
0: play georgia to finish the season yeah oh and that's a fair argument and the reason for that is that jeff collins comes across uh we mentioned it earlier in the show paul johnson's gone so the triple option the flex bone is no longer uh at Georgia Tech, which means that all of a sudden they're going to need someone to complete a forward pass.
1: Correct, so everything that they've trained for, so all the seniors on the squad everything they've trained for the last four years is now out the window, they're playing a different ball game. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean yes and no, all of a sudden wide receivers going to have to catch the ball instead of just block and you know, but running backs are going to be good they still return their guys, I think uh, Mason is the guy in the backfield who's, who's pretty good for the Yellow Jackets and they're going to still run the ball. They're still going to be a heavy run team, obviously, but they're not going to be in that four-point aggressive stance on the O-line. They're going to have to be more variable than that. But like a lot of people have said, is these kids were recruited out of high school not playing in flex bones. Like Not every kid that's come to Georgia Tech has run a flex bone offense. So there's yeah, but they still were recruited some... to play it. I, I agree, I don't disagree with that, but they've still got, they're still athletes and they're still good football players. They're still a Division One school. Don't so get me
1: wrong, they're good, but the others are better and have been doing it for longer at what they need I'm just do. trying to make the Georgia
0: Tech fans feel better, right? This could get ugly at times, but it'll be interesting to watch them develop. And like I said, my comparison to the Arizona Cardinals is that, uh, with Cliff Kingsbury there, everyone's going to be watching them early to see how they go. And Georgia Tech are going to get a little bit of attention. And there's going to be some hilarious moments. Like someone's going to throw, like a quarterback's going to throw a ball with like no receivers around them. And it will be like into triple coverage. And there'll just be no one to throw it. And they'll just return it to the house. Or it'll be, it, it, so it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but they'll come on later in the year and there will be some improvements. So yeah. stick with it. Uh, if you're a Yellow Jackets fan, because it, it could be a tough season.
1: The Band-Aid had to come off at some point, and I think this is just where you feel that pain. Hopefully, it's short-lived.
0: Hopefully. Now, there's one team you have forgotten. Have I? Demon Deacons. Wow. We didn't talk about... Straight disrespect on my part. Yeah, it is. Greg Dorch leaves uh, Wake Forest as kind of the number one receiver, so they're going to have... Uh, to you know cover that loss up they've been I mean they've been okay if they could get to a bowl game I think that would be fantastic for Wake Forest I don't see it happening but maybe just maybe if that defense can hold up just a little bit uh, and give that offense a little bit of time to settle in then maybe the Deeks can go okay but I don't know
1: yeah I don't have much to add to that to be honest I I'd forgotten them Apologies, Demon Deacon fans out there, but uh, at least you'll beat Georgia Tech.
0: If they play in the crossover rides, I don't actually know if they do. Uh, okay, so you're picking Clemson in the Atlantic and Georgia Tech in the Coastal? Uh, I'm Clemson Sorry, and Ge- Virginia Tech.
1: <laughs> not Georgia
0: Tech. No. Trying to pull Swifty on you there. Yeah, i mean Clemson, obviously, in the Atlantic, uh, and I think Miami come across and actually get their offense and defense playing well at the same time which would be nice to get them across the line in the coastal and I think Clemson probably handle them pretty easily in the championship game but here's to hoping Uh, hopefully I mean hopefully the ACC can tidy itself up a bit that is kind of what I'm hoping which leads me on to what is our question what is our big storyline that we're going to be following in the ACC I think for me probably there's two it's can anyone produce an offensive line that's okay? And secondly, can the ACC become relevant in any way, shape, or form? We are top, I say we, the conference is top heavy with Clemson and then everything else is a bit of a mess and it constantly gets ridiculed. Can Miami push up, Florida State push up, Virginia Tech push up? And Can we win these out-of-conference games that make the ACC nationally relevant?
1: Yeah, I'm with you on a similar wavelength. My storyline in the ACC is who is going to step up and take the the second mantle. Like who who's going to be the one that's not Clemson in the ACC that shows a bit. Like that you've got these formerly prestigious schools in Florida State and Miami and Virginia Tech. Which one of these guys who are former heavy hitters is going to step up and show that It might not be this year, but they're very much, you know, back in the right direction. Kind of like Texas is now, where you're expecting them to be back relevant again.
0: Yep. Okay, moving forward. Aussies in action, a pretty smallish class. Obviously, as this road trip has headed further east, we have noticed less and less Aussies being involved in kind of college football. So. Louis Headley heads across to Miami, and he's got some big raps on him, so we'll be keeping a close eye on that one. Chris Dolu returns to Pitt, uh, and there's a couple of other guys as well that will feature in ACC football, representing, hopefully, their country and certainly their schools. Excellent. All right. Now, Will, you are guru all things conference USA. So whilst I'm sure we have blitzed through the ACC pretty quickly and no doubt we've missed some things, uh, what is it going to be for Conference USA?
1: Yeah we must apologize to our Conference USA fans out there. Aaron spent 15 minutes talking about the Hurricanes so that's really kind of cut down on the time that we can go over the mess that is this conference because <laughs> if you can pick a winner here you are just killing it, because I, I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, Conference USA is probably one of the lower rungs of the Power Five, I would say. There's a, a decent amount of history in these schools, but never really hitting uh, super high heights. We don't often see nationally ranked teams coming from them. Uh, some well-known teams that uh, the casual punters out there might know about. Marshall uh we are marshall Marshall, obviously coming to fame in in the movie based on the real life events of that tragic plane accident uh you've got florida atlantic there who have the charismatic head coach elaine kiffin who is well known and he's running his own hard knocks program there where he pulls in uh kind of all of these kids who are looking for a second shot, really. So he's got a lot of, you know, highly talented kids who potentially have academic or issues that have rendered them unavailable at some powerful programs. So he's running that there. Uh, Outside of that, Old Dominion beat uh, Virginia Tech last year. year. That's cool. (laughs) Um, UAB
0: probably are the the storyline of the conference, I suppose. They're kind of a couple of years back from not playing, they actually shut the football program down and then they've come back and, and made a bowl game and then gone on to, to win the championship last year, which I think is a fantastic story a fantastic story for all those players which is really, really great Middle Tennessee State, and that was the championship game last year uh, and UAB got across the line by a couple of points in a tight championship game but like you said, there's a lot of player movement uh, and I, I, I don't know. Rice are going to be disappointing, probably. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, I don't see where it's coming from.
1: No, you're right. So, for mine, the, the it's it it's an open field where things could come from. I think at this stage, you're probably looking at Marshall and North Texas as the, the two favorites in each of their conferences. Uh, North Texas have a quarterback Mason Fine, who has high raps about him. He's, he's put put up numbers and they has done a, a good job.
0: H- a high octane, fast paced offense as well. So good expect to watch.
1: that to continue. Uh, but, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if an, any UTEP? number, any UTEP. number, I mean, that would surprise me. UTEP. <laughs> but like even the road runners, Louisiana tech, Southern miss, well, FIU, Louisiana- they're, they're all in the conversation.
0: Yeah. I mean, and Louisiana tech had some pretty good defense last year and, and managed to run the ball. Okay. As well. So, you know, there's there's pieces all over the place, but these conferences tend to flip pretty quickly uh, on their heads and, and it could be two totally different teams next year or this year. All right, that brings us to the end of a very brisk, fast-paced ACC and Conference USA preview. Uh, if you do want to hit us up, please do so on the interwebs at CFB Down Under on Instagram and on Twitter as well. We're starting to generate a bit of activity uh, on those two markets, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, we've got a bit of a player profile series going on uh, Instagram at the moment, so I'm trying to give a bit of love to those boys that are over there living the dream. Uh, So get along, give it a like. I don't know. What else do you do? Yeah, I I don't know. They don't show likes on Instagram anymore because like mental health and stuff. So I was about to kill myself (laughs) when I saw that. I hadn't had a certain amount of likes, but now no one can see it. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. That is a
0: horrifying way to end, which is good because we'll start with just a shit house. So (laughs) that will close us out. Now we've got a couple more things that we will tidy up moving into the start of the season. We got bold predictions coming up. We have got uh, tying up a few loose ends. Will will want to lose some money, so now no doubt he'll give us some gambling advice as well. So still plenty to look forward to in the weeks leading up to week zero of college football season 2019. But on behalf of the guy who called me dad, my name's Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.